Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, where you been? Buckeye talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back. It's the Tuesday Buckeye Talk. It's Doug Lake-Reese, it's Stephen Means, it's Nathan Baird. We are from Cleveland.com, and it's football season, folks. Game on Thursday. Here's what we're going to do on the pod this week. This is your Tuesday pod, which is like the last, last, last remnants of like any kind of preseason. The Wednesday pod is going to be our game preview pod. So that's where we will get specific about Minnesota. That's where we will make our game picks. That's where we will talk about the betting lines and that kind of stuff. So You'll have that a day early. We don't want to give that game preview to you on Thursday morning, and then you have to listen to it before Thursday night. So you will have that Wednesday. And then for the Thursday podcast, just kind of get you up till game time at 8 Eastern on Thursday night. We'll do a rapid fire, just kind of what's up, maybe a little nonsense, maybe a little fun, any kind of last last lingering questions before we get rolling here. But we're recording this late Monday afternoon. We had our Monday news conference with Ryan Day. That normally is going to be a Tuesday news conference, but again, it's a weird schedule because it's a Thursday game. We also talked to Nicholas Petit-Frere, Zach Harrison, Taraja Mitchell, and Jeremy Rucker. Nathan, honestly, not a lot of news, which I think is probably a tribute to the fact that we've talked to all the important people for the last month. We've talked to Ryan Day a lot in the preseason. We've talked to every meaningful player on the team. We've talked to every assistant coach. And so there was not a lot of stuff happening Monday, which is why we did a texter survey as a kind of little wrap up here, because there's like not enough tidbits to get us through a podcast, man. Yeah, no, to be clear, there are things we still don't know about this team. There are things we wish Ryan Day would have told us today that he didn't tell us. It could be distribution of snaps and who's going to start and how they're going to approach some things. But there are things because of gamesmanship and because they have a right to secrecy that they're not going to tell us. So um, at least right the game plan secrecy that they're not going to tell us. So I'm really intrigued by those Thursday night warmups and what the first quarter looks like Thursday. I've, I'm as intrigued by that as I think I've been for the start of a season for a team in a while, because I'm just eager to see some things that we think we're going to see for the first time. But yeah, you're right. Uh, they've done a pretty good job of, of making sure that we could at least keep up on some of the basics. And I think we've got a good footing on that. And then um, get the texts. We'll be texting stuff Thursday night, 614-350-3315. 
Yeah, that's a great that's a great reason because we're going to be sending stuff out a lot earlier than the TV broadcast is going to be saying stuff. Stephen, you wrote a story about Ryan Day's beard on Monday because the great Tim May asked Ryan Day if he was going to keep his beard for the season, and it was legitimately the biggest piece of news that came out of Monday that Ryan Day is not keeping the beard. He's going to shave it because it's his off season beard. He doesn't have a beard in the season. Yeah, this is why I got into journalism so I can ask coaches. Well, so I can hear answers from coaches about their facial hair and their superstitions around it. So you didn't realize it at first. I think when Tim may ask the question, because Tim may always ask these interesting, weird questions before he actually gets into what he wants to ask. But Ryan day does not keep his beard during the regular season. He, it's become an off-season tradition where as soon as the season ends, he grows his beard that's usually scruffy and not really maintained. According to Zach Harrison, he needs a lineup, which I kind of agree with. But, and yeah, then once the season rolls around, he cuts it off. He didn't have it in 2018 for those three games. He was the interim coach, and he didn't have it in 2019 or 2020, even with the mask on. And so, as he said, the beard, his exact words were, it has to go in the next 24 hours. So expect on Thursday to see a baby-faced Ryan Day once again, which, I mean – in a, in a, in a, on a day when there wasn't a lot of news, this is probably the biggest news of the day. It is a very rugged beard. And I yeah. will say, like, Kevin Stefanski is the head coach of the Browns. He has a beard. And he has some gray in the beard, which everyone thinks then he's like a salt and pepper fox. And Ryan Day is a nice, full – it almost looks like he has shoe polish in his beard. Like, it is It is so black. Like, it is – I mean, it – I think Are you could, accusing I, Ryan Day of dyeing his beard. I, I am because his hair is too dark. This. His hair Are is you, way too dark. Are you making the accusation? Why would you shave a beautiful, luxurious beard unless you were trying to hide something? That's all I'm saying. I mean, like that's if you want to make it real, you want to make it real. Beard. People were saying shave Nathan's beard, keep Ryan Day's beard. No, don't shave your beard. Shave your beard, Ryan Day. Are you going to shave your beard? No, I'm just going to shave my beard. Buckeye talk. Nathan Baird's on Beard Watch. Yeah. Be- be- beer and beards with Nathan Baird. Is that why you have a beard? Because your name is Baird? Is that, has that influenced your beard? I have a beard because I'm very lazy. No, you've said that before. It's a look. You've cultivated a look. Don't act like it's laziness. It's very it specific. <laughs> very specific way. Because you've got to trim up the beard. you got to get the little scissors and stuff, right? Aren't oh, you scissors, scissors. No, 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 no. I got trimmer. I got a little buzzer thing that I do, but like not every day. Yeah. Well, I don't shave every day either. Okay. This is where we are. This is how much we need football. The nine minutes of hair trimming. So we sent out a, a tech survey and I asked all the tech subscribers. I, I, let me, let me, before we get to the survey. Well, I'll say I would start. I broke it down by quarterback, running back, receivers, offensive line, defensive line, linebackers, secondary. And I said, how do you feel about the position group? And the choices were very good or no choices were great. National title level caliber, national title caliber. Very good playoff caliber. Good. It's a very competitive group or a little worried. Now that's not equal representation, right? That's like three all pretty good. And then one, you know, we're just trying to get a sense of where you worried. And again, like, I think it's helpful here in the preseason to reestablish parameters. As one texter mentioned, it's like, what do you mean by worried? And they said, you know, I watched Nebraska, Illinois on Saturday and Ohio State's playing a different game. And just to be clear, we are not talking Nebraska, Illinois level of worried. We are talking worried from the standpoint of could this position group 
hold back Ohio State from doing what it wants to do to the Ohio State standard. I am past, we are assuming a higher level than a Nebraska-Illinois level. That is never even in the options. What's the point, right? That's not what we're talking about. We are always talking about the Ohio State standard. And then another texture made a point like, well, what do you mean by this? This is kind of confusing. And you guys talk about it on the pod this way sometimes and it's confusing. Like last year, Clemson's offensive line probably wasn't playoff worthy, but they made the playoff. And, and I know what they're saying because you don't have to have seven national title caliber position groups to win a national title. But my point would be when you get to that level, do you feel good about your group or not? That when Clemson got to the playoff last year, it's like, well, do you feel, do you feel good about the offensive line? Hey, we're here there. Or do you feel like, Oh man, I'm now I like, I think they're very competitive. I don't know if they're playoff caliber. So, and also it's better than me just saying, is it, are they a four or three or two or a one? I'm just putting some adjectives in the rating and then you're picking four, three, two, or one. So it makes a little more fun. So now we'll get into the survey. I did also want to mention this and we know this, but, and I just am making note of this because there are things happening. Do you, do you, there was a name that was not mentioned today at all, because why would it be mentioned? Why would this person's name be brought up at an Ohio State preseason first game of the year game week news conference? Why would you say this person's name? But it didn't even come close to this person's name being said. And I would like to just mark it officially because we kind of noted it last year and marked it. But we're marking officially like absolutely no doubt about it. This person's name just like does not get brought up anymore. And it's fine. Nobody said Urban Meyer. Nobody said Urban Meyer. Like nobody, why? Because like, why would you say Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer is trying to figure out, you know, what the Jags offense is going to be. Because people are saying, you know, we talked about that. Their offense doesn't look good in the preseason. It just, and here we are. It just, it's three years in, Nathan. And it's obvious, but that guy's in charge. And, And I tried to wrap up the Ryan Day news conference today. I asked a couple big picture questions that I didn't think would get answers, but I just wanted to go 30,000 feet a little bit with the, you've made the playoff each of the two years you've been in charge. We know you're standing up here saying, take it one game at a time, but you also understand these are the Ohio state standards. Your players are aware of the fact they know all this stuff. Like how do you talk to your team at all about any of this stuff? It was just very definitive, Nathan, of, of this guy, with a very dark, suspiciously dark beard. It's not suspiciously dark. I'm not. a. Th- I mean, this guy's in charge of a powerhouse program and the expectations are sky high as they should be. I would like to note the obvious, Nathan, which I think we need to do in life sometimes because if Ryan Day was on the hot seat right now because he had not lived up to the Urban Meyer standard, it's all we'd be talking about. And I say this, I've had moments in my life with my family, and I hope you guys do the same thing, where someone's having a medical test, and if it's bad news, it's going to be devastating. And if it's good news, you go, oh, cool, it's good news. And I always try to stop and say, hey, hey, if this was the opposite way right now, we would be distraught. We'd be in tears. We'd be in panic mode. We'd be able to try. So let's apply the same amount of emotion on the good side. 
Let's supply the lack of panic. Let's supply the lack of tears. And let's think about how steady and sturdy the Ohio State football program is because, again, there have been a lot of programs that have gone the other way. So, Nathan, we can do it in two minutes if we need to. But standing there today with the head coach who has never lost a regular season game, who has made the playoff both of his years, who again has a team that we are all picking to make the playoff, I think that's worth acknowledging however we want to acknowledge it. When you first started that, I was trying to think like who, who's, which name is he <laughs> alluding to? Because I was like, oh, I didn't. Nobody said Quinn Ewers today. I actually, don't think anybody said PJ Fleck today either, who is the Minnesota head coach. I don't think his name came up at that. Ryan Day, Ryan Day said PJ Fleck. Did he say, he okay. said like PJ mm-hmm. is a good coach, whatever. And okay. I had, I had a Quinn Ewers question holstered because honestly, I would like to know if Quinn Ewers is back practicing because yeah. the last time we talked to Ryan Day, he said. He's not practicing and he's not going to practice for a week. So I actually thought it was a legitimate question. And then I thought, I won't do it. I'm not going to be, I won't do that right now. Not opening week to talk about the fourth string quarterback, even though he's the most famous recruit in Ohio state football in the last 10 years. But anyway, yes, but yes, all those names also not mentioned very much. Yeah. To get back to your, your greater point, I think it's interesting that, it wasn't that long ago that we were speculating when Ohio state might lose a regular season game. And this particular game came up as a potential culprit that could be the one that Ohio state stumbles on. Now the roster didn't end up looking like we thought it would Minnesota didn't end up looking exactly like we thought it would some, some factors played into that. But I, 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 I there is this kind of interesting crossroads right now of that new confidence that has sort of coalesced around the Ryan Day administration, for lack of a better term, where it doesn't feel new anymore. It doesn't feel uh, transitionary or whatever. It's This is Ryan Day's program now, and that's it, it's part of the identity of Ohio State football. He's not the guy assuming a position. But then also kind of the, the terms that he keeps coming up with, the sort of like paranoia and the, the pressure of avoiding even the one loss – and, and things like that, where clearly there's not any, doesn't seem to be any complacency on him. And I was trying to get to, I asked Jeremy Rucker a question today, kind of along those lines of how much do they still talk about Purdue and Iowa and those losses a few years ago that were very similar to the kind of opponent and circumstance that they're going to play in Minnesota and how those had tripped up Ohio State and, and ruined seasons in the past. And it feels like Ryan Day is somebody that, lets those wounds um, doesn't he doesn't reopen the wounds but he makes sure you go look at the scars because he knows how little room for error they have and how much um, how devastating those events can be and it helps them come into games like Thursday traditionally come into games like Thursday prepared to take care of business I just think it's so important you can't go through life acknowledging the bad and taking the good for granted it's no way to live man And so we're about to get into it. We made our playoff picks on the market down Monday. And we already, I think it was just one texture, but like pushback on like, we only picked them to make the national championship game and lose, or we only picked them to make the playoff. And that's what we're getting into. That's, that's what an Ohio state season is. Well, uh, like we're not going to spend a ton of time talking about that's a great win over Rutgers. You know, we're just not going to do that because that's not what the standard is. So I wanted to acknowledge it at this point 
I also have a joke that I've been waiting to tell. It's not my joke, but it was on Facebook. And I don't know if every Ohio State fan tells a version of this joke or not. But I've been trying to think, I've been practicing it a little bit because the, and now I'm worried. Now I'm setting it up too much. I'm going to blow it because it's the telling, it's the timing of the joke as much as anything that matters, right? All right, I'll cut it out if it doesn't go well. I, am, I, I laughed quite hard when it was delivered to me, even though it's certainly not unique. And again, I am not claiming. An Ohio State fan, a Clemson fan, and a Michigan fan are walking up a mountain. And on their way up, they are debating who is the most loyal fan, who has the most loyal fan base, Michigan, Ohio State, or Clemson. So they get to the top of the mountain, and the Clemson fan yells, this is for the Tigers! And the Clemson fan jumps off the mountain. It's pretty loyal. So the Ohio State fan steps up and yells, this is for the Buckeyes! And pushes the Michigan fan off the mountain. I like spit my juice out when I heard that. I didn't see it coming. Did you guys see it coming? I mean, you set it up way too much. You should have just gone. Should I cut out? Should I cut out the setup? You gave it way too much of a caveat. And it's, I mean. I've heard other versions of that, though. I've heard other versions of that. I wasn't ready because it's like it's a one, two, three joke. And then the punchline's on two. I think that's the funny part. Right? I think there needs to be. Yeah, there should have been Alabama in there or something. No, the whole point of the joke is the, the fact that the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry, so it's like, I mean, it's a good joke for sure. You're right. It's there's got to be, just for comic timing, there's got to be a third in there. It can't give you one, two. No, but I feel like that's where the funny comes in is that it's a one, two, three that you expect because comedy is always in threes and the punchline's on two. Because then you're like, oh, well, I wonder what the Michigan fan's going to do third if the Michigan fan gets pushed off the mount. Should have worked <laughs> on it more. Or maybe worked on it less. This is where we are. Maybe not used it. So Ohio State plays Minnesota on Thursday. <laughs> Maybe should have worked on it less. Buckeye talk. We'll be back after this. Hey, it's Doug with a quick note for any Cleveland Browns fans listening to Buckeye talk right now. We're doing a special Brown season preview. If you Google orange and brown talk season preview event, you know, Google that kind of stuff. Orange and brown talk season preview event. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday, September 1st from 6.30 to 8 o'clock at night. It's like on Zoom. Like it's on, it's remote. You can do it in your living room. You can do it in your car, right? You just go there. You sign up. It's free. It's free tickets. It's me, Terry Pluto, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Dan Lobby, Ellis Williams. You come in. We talk about the Browns. We do little rooms. We have a big 90-minute chat about the Cleveland Browns. So we'd love to have you. I know there's some crossover appeal here between fans of the Buckeyes and fans of the Cleveland Browns. So again, Google orange and Brown season kickoff event. You'll get the info, sign up for the free tickets. I'll be there. Hope to see you, uh, see a few of you guys on Wednesday night, September 1st from six 30 until eight. Now back to Buckeye talk. 614-350-3315 for the text. The one thing I wanted to bring about urban Meyer, I do think urban Meyer would have told us more about some of the position group battles than Ryan day did. Ryan Day is, I mean, like, we're for real. We're not going to say who the, who the starting offensive line is. Like, we're not going to confirm that, even though we saw it and we've been talking about it. It's like, just confirm this thing that was as a surprise three weeks ago. And again, like, we're not getting a depth chart, right? There's no depth chart, which I'll ask about next week. I don't know where we are. Is this just the official new world of there's no Ohio State depth charts, right? Nathan, is that where we are now? That's my understanding, yes. 
Yeah, I don't like that. I don't I don't understand why that's the case. And I know we've had this debate before. It's like, oh, well, we can do it. It's like, well, we shouldn't have to do it. It's not you're the official thing. Release it to the fans. So just the people know who's going to play us. Now you're not giving anything away. Jim Harbaugh got roasted for it. So I'll ask about it next week because I was unsure exactly about where it stood. So by all indications, I mean, Nicholas Petit-Ferris said he's a left tackle. So if he's a left tackle, then Thayer Munford's a left guard and Harry Miller's a center and Paris Johnson is a right guard and Dewan Jones is a right tackle. That's the only way that Nicholas Petit-Ferris is a left tackle. And he said, I'm expecting to be the left tackle. And the running backs, Ryan Day didn't really say much of anything. Said they'll probably lean into older guys early, but Trevion Henderson will get a chance. So we can discuss that when we get to the running backs, but there wasn't enough to go on. And unless I was just going to tell jokes for half an hour, we needed a little more for this pod. So I sent out the four levels, all the position groups, where things are, and we will give our answers and then we'll run through and talk about which position groups have the most question marks, but we'll run them through group by group, Nathan and Steven off the, off the top. We'll start on the defensive side of the ball because that's where I started with the Texters. How do you feel about Ohio State secondary? Again, the choices are great, very good, good, and a little worried. Steven, where were you on the secondary? Um, good, very competitive based on what the options are. I think is a good lukewarm space to live in. Nathan, what were you? You know, it, when I first looked at because on every single one of these, you gave the same four options. And I my first reaction was, wait, we're you can't be more than a little worried about any of these groups. But then I also thought, like, if we're all picking them to make the playoff, you probably can't be more than a little worried about any team that you think is going to make the playoff at really any big chunk position. But I'm still going to say a little worried. And it's mostly because I believe that depth is being developed I don't yet know if that means that the collective play at each of those positions is going to be significantly better than it was last year. No, I said good, partly because will they face enough passing games in the regular season that can make you be a little worried? And then once you get to the playoff, then maybe it's only just good. They're competitive, but they are not at the secondary playoff level or national title level. So I said, good. It was pretty split among those two. Good. Got 43%, a little worried, got 39%. And at the end, we'll go through all the position groups and say who got the most worried, who got the most national title level, national title level, 1% for the secondary. Not great. Linebackers. How do you feel about Ohio state's linebackers? Again, great, very good, good, a little worried. Nathan, where were you? I'm going to, man, it's tough because it's the one that we know even less about than the secondary. I guess I'm just going to go good, very competitive, though, partially because I feel like the stakes at that position are less than on the line or in the secondary. Maybe an unfair thing. No, no, I I, I don't think that's unfair to look at it that way at all. Steven, so. So, so Nathan, again, you said good. No, you had very good or good. Nathan. Uh, uh, Good. Okay. And Steven, what were you? Um, very good playoff good caliber because one of the three groups that needs to be um, you less worried about it because it's not going to have as big of an impact as a secondary or defensive line would. But then also, I am just under the assumption that Taraja Mitchell just might be ready to break out after finally getting on the field. Yeah, uh, I also had very good in part because I think the standard of very good is a little lower than at other places right Mm -hmm. that it's just not quite as important and 
Taraja Mitchell, if you believe in the bullet, and then some combination of Cody Simon and Dallas Gant and everybody else, I think will be good enough. I'm not, I'm not up sleepless thinking that linebackers are going to be the reason that Ohio State doesn't get where they want to go. Nathan, I know there was a decent, you know, as much as the opponent is often not talked about at Ohio State news conferences for an entire week leading up to a game. And we'll get into this more in the game preview. Mo Ibrahim at, at Minnesota is, is statistically one of the best returning running backs in the country. He was a guy that gets brought up. And then whether this is right or not, I think when you talk about running backs, you ask linebackers questions about that because we think linebackers are supposed to tackle running backs. So they'll get tested by our standard of stuff, right? A little bit right away against Minnesota Thursday night. Yeah, it's just a running game with Ibrahim and that offensive line that has a, a high floor of production. They were 100 yards or more for him in every game last year, 140 or more in five of the seven games. I think in five games, he averaged five or more yards per carry. So, I mean, they they know how to move the ball on the ground. And that doesn't all fall on this linebacker group, but it is a big initial test for this linebacker group, especially just considering the size and experience on this Minnesota offensive line. Yeah. All right, defensive line. Steven, what did you have for the defensive line? Great national title contender. And, I mean, if you believe Zach Harrison's going to be what Zach Harrison was expected to be when he got here, and you believe Tyreek Smith might be fully healthy and ready to go, and you believe in Haskell Garrett and Teron Vincent, and you believe in what Jack Sawyer might be able to do as a true freshman, and at some point JTT is going to catch up to that, then there's no reason to believe that this won't be a national title contending line. A lot of Javante Jean-Baptiste talk again. And that, on, yeah, on Monday. That's, a, that's an extra layer of this. If that guy who has clearly been a developmental player since he got here and transitioning from an outside linebacker to a defensive end, if that development is finally complete and he's kind of the missing piece in all this, that's even more of a reason. Because I, I don't, none of us think he's going to be an All-American or even All-Big Ten. But if he is – if he's Jonathan Cooper 2020 level and that's the worst player in the on the defensive end – out of the defensive ends, that's a pretty darn good defensive end group. Nathan, what'd you have? I had great national title caliber as well. I don't think you even have to see Harrison and Smith make a huge jump for that to be true. I think there's is already a pretty accomplished group. I thought it was interesting today that I asked Zach Harrison about the tackles and the guy that he spent a lot of time going kind of raving about was Antoine Jackson. And what he thinks he brings in as defensive tackle. I think that if, if he is sort of a uh, solution of sorts at as the kind of the base nose tackle, and then you weave in Teron Vincent, you weave in Jerron Cage, you weave in other guys, um, that, that, that makes that group even more solid. Yeah, I thought there were two two guys who are probably like the seventh and eighth most talented guys on the defensive line who got brought up by other players as like, hey, these guys are doing a good job, which I thought, was real. I also said great. So did the Texers. 63% said great. 33% very good. So that's basically everybody. So that's feeling very good about the defensive line. Quarterback, I think, is really interesting. And I'm not going to save it. We'll do it right now. Nathan, where are you? Great, very good, good, or a little worried about CJ Stroud at quarterback? I said very good playoff caliber. Um, because I feel like with everything else that's around him, the pressure is not on him to be the playmaker. It's on him to be the facilitator. You have to be efficient. You have to make good decisions. You can't turn the ball over, 
but you don't have to go out and do crazy spin move launch at 50 yards every play. It's more about being the spark plug of this offense than it is about being the engine that pulls everybody along with you. What Jeff Steven? Very good playoff caliber. I just don't know if with the way that day is both recruiting quarterbacks and developing them. I don't know if a quarterback here will ever be lower than very good playoff caliber, because that's not the thing that's going to be the issue of whether they can win a national title. It's whether he can get that next step and be great national title caliber, because he's going to more than likely be the best quarterback in the big 10 and they're going to be in a playoff position. So I just think that's the basement for that, for that position, just based off what the talent level is going to be. The basement is going to be very good playoff caliber, which is, I mean, whether that's good enough, we'll find out. I had good because I just think it's very possible that when they get to the playoff in the playoff, we might be talking about, does the other team have a better quarterback and that he's been good. He's good. He's competitive. He got you through. And now here it's go time. Are we sure? I'm, I'm just a, more, a little more hesitant on CJ Stroud than I think that a lot of people are maybe unfairly. I don't know. I'm happy for him go throw for 400 yards against Minnesota and I'll come on here and talk about how great he is. Texters, 60% very good. So Nathan, that was the clear winner. Nathan, what do you think got more? And I'll tell you, it's only 4% little worried. Okay. Mm-hmm. So 60% very good, 4% little worried. So then let's go above and below the very good. Do you think great was a higher level or good was a higher level? Right. Good, very competitive or great national title caliber. Which one got a higher vote from the texters? I think they probably said great national title caliber getting more because you didn't say, how do you feel about CJ Stroud? You said, how do you feel about how state's quarterbacks? That's true. Although, again, if something happens, if something happens where he's not, I mean, I don't know. It would be interesting for them to make a shift that makes everybody feel great. If there was an injury or just a change, everybody was like, yes. I don't know. I think probably a shift, even the shift that I've been talking about from the jump about, you know, which nobody else is talking about. I feel, I still think there'd be some nerves from that. Steven, what do you think up more great or good? Good. Very good. I'm sorry. Well, no, very good. Oh, one was very good. Oh, okay. So it's between, Oh, uh, between great or good. It's just like, great. Yeah. great. It's not, it's good. 19% okay. good. 17% great. So it's just, so that's 23% of the people who are good or a little worried. Uh, you know, it's like a quarter who are saying yeah. maybe not playoff caliber, maybe not national title caliber. I think that's a reasonable for a guy who's never played. I just, I who's, who's not a- DJ Uyunglele and just like a, just, it's like a mountain. Go ahead. I say, I brought it up a few weeks ago that in one of our other polls where 25% of the texters who voted said, they thought Ohio State would lose a game this year. So there is there is a clump of the texter podcast uh, listening um, world uh, nation that it has, has some hesitation about being ready to anoint this team as fully there. I might change my answer. Um, 2019, what would we say Justin Fields was? I mean, going in? I mean, he was the number two recruit in the country, so probably right. very good. Okay. 
And by the end of the season, what, what would you have said? You would have said great national title caliber? Yes. Oh, yeah, he was a Heisman Trophy. Right, okay. Heisman. I know that. Yes. because, But he was still the third best quarterback in the playoff that year. Yes, but he was – I don't know that anybody thought Justin Fields was holding Ohio State back from – No, I, the, the, yeah, yeah. right. That's, 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 which is part of my answer. I think there's a chance that CJ is great national title contender this year. But he's once again, but just like in 2019, he's the third best quarterback in the playoff. So it doesn't matter that he's great national title contender, because if you ranked them, it was probably from a raw talent standpoint or just where they were at that point. It's probably Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And then you drop off a little bit and then it's you know Jalen Hurts, which is why they got blown out. It could be a similar situation where it's, I don't know, Spencer Rattler, DJ Uyungle, and then Sam Howard, uh, 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 JT Daniels. Yeah, it's interesting because I think fairly we talk about CJ Stroud in the mm-hmm. same breath as Bryce Young and DJ Uyunglele a lot because they are the top three quarterbacks in that class. Yet, just by the rankings, not, I mean, what else? I don't know. Bryce Young and DJ are viewed at somewhat significantly, mm-hmm. at least maybe even not somewhat more of a sure thing to the that, point that they were the clear starting quarterbacks this year. Why TJ had to fight for it. Well, and even just in the, you know, that, that DJ and Bryce kind of were always there. Right. And mm-hmm. they're clear five stars and CJ is the third best quarterback, but is number 42 of our player. I mean, splitting hairs, but I, I think as much as we, I think there are times to lump CJ with those two. And I think maybe there are times to not lump CJ. Mm-hmm. With those two. And we've said all along, if you know, maybe we were ascribing more uncertainty to the Ohio State battle where Ryan Day would have ascribed more certainty to it because we're sure we're going to wind up with somebody good. We just don't know who it is. Bam and Clemson knows who it is. But man, that guy better be good because he's the only option. Mm -hmm. So now that it's CJ, you know, they're the three best quarterbacks. And we say that a lot. But Nathan, I think to your point, I think we are probably... I think it is the, a, a smart way that you said it, that there's about a quarter of the fan base that's a little uncertain about this year in terms of being good, really good enough to get it done at the playoff level. That are you sure they're going to make the playoff? Are you sure they're going to go undefeated? Maybe the certainty that you would have had with that defense in 2019, the certainty you would have had in year two of Justin in 2020. Yep. There's just a little less certainty on both ends which pulls us back from 90% of the fan base thinks, yeah, baby, sure thing playoff to 75% think, yeah, baby playoff. And I think that's a smart way to think about it. And I think to your point, we've seen sort of multiple surveys with slightly different questions producing similar results. Well, I think it's just some recognition of something we talked about last week, which was the lack of a margin for error that they have really on both sides of the ball. You don't have the margin for error that that 2019 defense provided. You don't have the margin for error that Justin Fields provided. You're, you're missing out on both of those things. Now, maybe CJ Stroud, once he plays, makes that margin for error seem smaller, maybe, um, or larger, I should say. Maybe um, the defense, once it starts playing, makes that margin for error seem larger. But as we look at these teams from the outside in, this team going into the season, I think that's a reasonable way to look at it. Because I think we all kind of look at it that way too. Yes, I think that's right receivers we don't spend a lot of time here what do you think we all would vote great national title contender steven what percent of our texter vote 
said great national title contender for the receivers? 95%. Nathan, what do you think? 91 99, 99, and, and the rest of them are gonna they're gonna hunt down the one percent. Did anybody vote a little worried? Because no. then I'm a little worried about them. No, one percent okay. very surprising. good. A single vote for good, zero votes for a little worried. Usually, there's just one stinker who puts in yeah. a little worried just to say they just did, just to, just to, just to screw up the the results. Yes, yes, no. We have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of national title. For what it's worth, we did get, I mean, of the things that Ryan Day will talk about, he gave us the two deep for the wide receivers. Which yeah, we all knew, was, yeah. but we still don't know what the rotation is going to be, which is all that Correct. matters. Uh, honestly, I don't even, is Jaden Ballard seventh? Who's the seventh receiver? I would think so. Because, um, again, for all, it's like stuff got, so like Jalen Harris and Elijah Gardner are gone. Right. Mookie Cooper's at Missouri. G. Scott's a tight end. And they brought in three freshmen, highly rated freshmen, and two of them are in the top six. And Jaden Ballard's the other one. I don't. Who's the eighth receiver? Yeah, it's probably him. Um, so I mean, the idea that we have the, the top six is like, what are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's not. Of course, there's no, there's no other. Not that they're short in the receiver room, but as always, I mean, this is the way it is. This is fine. I'm not. We don't. This is how you can talk about it. It's like they have too many players. And it's like, well, you, you do one thing here and one thing there. And all of a sudden, okay, they had four guys in that 2020 class and two aren't receivers anymore. And the other two are one starting and one's a high level backup. So, yeah. The non problem problem is that they have the two best receivers in the country. So when Brian Day and Brian Hartline want to complain that they're, they're short on depth, it's not a real issue. Yeah. If Chris and if this were if this room were as talented as maybe the 2019 room was, then I would believe that man they have a depth problem here because they're really rotating six because no one's really that good yet. So then if one goes down, now you're down to five. And of course, Cam Bab, the Cam Bab injury, top yeah, one that, yeah. Three, who's yeah. who's there in the room but is not physically able to he play. He should right be the now. seventh guy. Yeah, at, at worst probably. Right. Okay, let's do running backs. Nathan, where would you go with the running backs? Great. Very good, good, a little worried. I'm saying good, very competitive right now, mostly because I don't, but I'm leaning towards very good. I I just don't know how quickly they will say, heck with it, it's Trevion Henderson time. Steven, how about you? Yeah, this is the one where I wish there were two answers because I think I'm very good when we talk about their play and the caliber and the ceiling of it but I might be a little worried based on how Ohio State approaches it. Well, I I said very good because if it's only good for too long, they're going to go to the very good guy, right? They're not just going to. So will it be very good against Oregon? Uh, I don't know for sure, which is kind of what we're talking about. The ceiling is very good. When will they unleash the ceiling? When will And you don't unleash it. It's not like, oh, well, if they just – if they give Trayvon Henderson 20 carries against Oregon, he's going to run for 180 yards. And that's not a sure thing either. So I think Nathan, they are, they do have to figure that out and we'll spend a lot of time on this Oregon week. It it feels like one of those things where early in the year, if they don't get that figured out and they're still spending a lot of time in the games, figuring that out, I can envision something against Oregon, let's say, where the first four drives, 
all three running backs are getting time and none of it is really working and they're getting in third and long a lot and Kayvon Thibodeau's teeing off on them. And now CJ Stroud's feeling some pressure a little bit and Oregon just gets a little something going offensively. And all of a sudden the lack of certainty in the run game puts them behind the eight ball a little bit where it feels like, man, if you just pick a dude, you might be okay. Or like, just put him in, just put Travion Henderson in and let's go. I I'm not going to predict that's going to happen, Nathan, but I think that's where it feels like the path from good to very good could lead through some weird forests in Oregon if they're not careful and a bear might eat them. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Or a a duck might eat them like a vicious, terrifying, Mm -hmm. like the largest duck anyone has ever seen. Right. That goes back to the one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses. There you go. Um, I think you're right. I'm it's one of those, again, of the things as we kind of started off this pod talking about, like, I'm curious what this looks like Thursday night. We've, we've tried to get some hints as to what it's going to look like, how it's going to be stacked up. And I don't I think we have an idea what it'll probably look like for the season opener. But I feel like this is going to be something that just organically changes before our eyes slowly kind of every week. For people who don't remember, that happened last year, a different version of it. They had two guys. They didn't know which one was better. They both looked kind of flat in the opener. Master Teague finally started running the ball harder and with a little bit more, you know, certainty. And that was the guy who locked in for most of the year. And then obviously what Trey Sermon did uh, speaks for itself. So I kind of see a different version of that playing out this year where it's just this group as a whole sort of feels its way towards the true solution. I think we might be in a situation where the team guy who ends up leading the team and carries for that specific game doesn't lead a team and carry for back-to-back games to like weeks nine and 10 or maybe seven or eight or something like that. And I don't know if that's the best thing. There's a, I mean, I didn't say I was agreeing with it. I'm just saying what might happen. I wonder again, this is like a weird thing to say, but part of me wonders if it wouldn't be maybe better for them for the two older guys to be less than stellar early on and just get them to the freshman. You know what I mean? Like that's, Mm -hmm. well, I don't think they would have to be less than stellar. I think they could come out and be what we believe them to be. And then Trevin Henderson comes out and is what we believe he might be. And that is alone and is enough to force the issue. I don't think that these guys would have to to stink necessarily. Master Teague didn't stink last year, but then once he got hurt and Trey Sermon did what he did, Master Teague wasn't going to get back on the field unless what happened happened, which is Trey Sermon getting hurt too. Which is part of it. The the other guy has to get out the way, whether that's by injury or just not playing well. It's just the other two times we've seen this happen, whether it was last year or in 2017, the other guy just got hurt. So I think that to Doug's point that maybe they do need to not play as well because then they can just get out the way. And I do think they'd be served by a complimentary back to Travion Henderson, but not a timeshare. So whatever gets you to, you know, 20 carries for Travion and 12 carries for somebody else or something, I think is what gets you to the best part of this offensive line, Nathan. Great. Very good. Good. Or worried. Great. Steven. Great. I'm great as well as are the texters. 92% great. 8% very good. So like, no, no good or a little worried, but it's interesting given, I mean, I don't know if we are, completely happy with the fact that Paris Johnson is inside and, you know, the two best, the best tackle tandem in the country doesn't exist anymore, but we're still at a point where it's like, yeah, they'll still be great. I think the 
fact that you took the pair of tackles that were the best pair of tackles in the country and you created a little more uncertainty by playing someone who's never started before. Mm-hmm. Or I get the Dewan Jones start one game last year. Did he start yeah, he Michigan started, State started the Michigan State game. Who started yeah. one game in his career is now your starting right tackle by all accounts. That does add, it didn't take me, it didn't take any of us off of great Nathan, but it opens the cracks, the door on very good instead of great. I think that to me, to me, it just felt like, and maybe this is wrong, but that if you had the two tackles and you're playing Paris and Harry inside, and then you figure out guard good enough and your fifth best offensive lineman is your left guard, but you figure it out and you'll be okay. I I would have I would have been a little more certain if the uncertainty was at left guard than right tackle, but also they had uncertainty at left guard last year when that was the fifth best offensive line, and it hurt them sometimes. So maybe it makes more sense to have a little more uncertainty outside rather than inside because you just give them some tight end help and you're okay. And I'm just leaving open the possibility that this chain reaction, like what if Nicholas Petit Frere is even a better left tackle than Thayer Munford was? What if Thayer Munford is a better left guard than he was a left tackle? Like that's, I think, on the table. It's He's the one making a position switch that's different than the others, so maybe that's tougher to get to. We think Harry Miller is going to be better at center than he was at left guard last year. I think he'd almost have to be, even if he were just returning to left guard. I would expect him to be better. He was in a you know second-year player starting in the Big Ten. That's not easy. Uh, we think Paris Johnson Jr. is the real deal. And then so then it becomes like if all those chain reactions work out and you're as good or better than they were a year ago at all those positions, and I'm including – the comparison to Wyatt Davis there, then I don't think Dewan Jones has to be uh, all big 10 caliber at right tackle. And I don't think they'd be doing this. I think you're right. I think that you wouldn't do this. I don't think they would do this on a whim. I think they would only be doing this if Mm -hmm. they, they, if they had been sort of pushed this way either by, and they keep saying they think Matthew Jones is playing well at left guard. So again, we only get to see a little bit. We don't get to see a lot of like competitive stuff that where we get to make that assessment on our own. But if there's if they kind of keep going out of the way to say that Matthew Jones is playing well, and maybe that's just to get that out there into the media for his sake. I don't know. They do that sometimes. But if it's really, hey, Matthew Jones actually played really well this preseason, but we just could not ignore what Dewan Jones is doing, then all of this other chain reaction, I, I think, should make you feel more confident about what this offensive line's potential is. I do think that's right. Mm-hmm. Left tackle might be better. Left guard might be better. Center might be better than a year ago as everybody slides a position in. I don't know if he's going to be better than Josh Myers. He'll be no, better no, no. than he was last year. Point taken. You were correct. Point taken. And Dewan might be really good. And they say this move is from strength, not from weakness. They say this is Dewan Jones forcing his way on the field. Not, hey, we couldn't figure out how else to do this, and we had to do this. So that's very, very possible. I think Nicholas Petit Frere is a great athlete, and I think Dewan Jones is a great athlete. I think Paris Johnson and Dewan Jones might destroy people in the run game on that side of the line. I just think if you're going to do it, you're going to take, you're going to try to line up your best pass rushers on Dewan Jones. And again, you give him help there and see what happens. And maybe Cade Stover spends a lot of time next to Dewan Jones. Mm-hmm. but that changes a little bit maybe of what you have to do, as opposed to where I think you would have felt very comfortable with Thayer Munford and Nicholas Petit for a handling dudes, just like they handled the Penn state ends last year. So it's just cause we haven't seen it. We just haven't, we just haven't seen a lot of Dewan right. Jones. He is a rare, he is a rare athlete. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Those are running through all the position groups. 
We'll come back and wrap up on zeroing in on the groups that really had some high figures on the worry and some high figures on national title. Next on Buckeye Talk. Doug Nathan Steven, make sure you're catching the college football playoff show this week. Exciting news. My co-host there, Shahan Jeharaja, just got hired as a national college football writers by CBS Sports. So, you know, it's just a great spot for me to have a new show and just have my co-host absolutely just roar past me. It's now the Shahan show with some other freaking dude. The guy's nasty. Yeah, you're Michael J. Fox at the beginning of Back to the Future, um, riding your skateboard and like hanging on the back of the pickup truck to get to school. Yeah. I thought, no, I was I thought you were gonna say, like, I'm like, I'm like Michael Gross in Family Ties. And I was like, man, this is my my showcase. And then like Alex P. Keaton, Michael J. Fox, like, no, he's the star. And you're like, but I'm the dad, I'm the dad. I work at set in Columbus, by the way. I'll I'll allow you if you want to say you're Meredith Baxter Bernie. I am. <laughs> I mean, I'm here, and Stephen is Skippy. Um, Steve, I don't know. I don't know if that's a comp. I've never seen that movie, so I don't know if it's a comp. I think he's more of a Nick. Yeah, he is probably a Nick. Please, Stephen, do not spend any of your time going back and researching 80s sitcoms. Although, again, it was set in Columbus. Am I allowed to know if these are compliments or insults, though? Can I tell you uh, what? I didn't. I didn't realize. I didn't know it was set in Columbus. I didn't realize that. Yeah, no. Michael, the dad worked for the, for WOSU. He so we're like, keep ignoring the question of is this a compliment or an insult? Do you do you think if I tell you that you're kind of like Skippy? Do you think Skippy was the coolest guy on Family Ties? He was not. I was just There's never no but, Skippy has ever been the coolest guy in any room. But Nick like uh, wore a wore a glove on his fist and went like, "Hey!" So that he was like a cool tough guy. I'm teeny others. So anyway, go listen to that. The college football playoff show this week. We'll be making our playoff picks over there. We've already, I've already made mine here and we'll see if they're the same. (laughs) Do I have to have the same picks from show to show or can I mix it up? No, they'll be the same, but Shahan will make his. And we'll also talk about Cincinnati. Does Cincinnati deserve to be in a playoff mix? So here are the votes on national title. What groups are really national title level to put these all in context together? Receiver, 99% national title. Offensive line, 92%. Defensive line, 62%. Nathan, those are the three groups that were over 50% for national title level. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. That when people think of this team, they think receivers, offensive line, defensive line. Correct. Yeah, that's the ones where like you snap your fingers and you think you can name the guys who are almost like All-American frontrunners. There. Certainly a receiver and offensive line, not as much on the defensive line. Basically, the position's guaranteed to be top 10 picks well, in the NFL draft. But, yeah. <laughs> or, yeah, but actually, I'm wrong. I mean, Haskell Garrett's already a preseason All-American by the AP, so, yeah. Right. Running back, 28% national title, quarterback, 16, linebacker, 4, secondary, 0. little worried. Secondary, 39%, linebacker, 18%, quarterback, 4%, running back, 2%, and then the other three groups we talked about are all 0 Steven, does that sound about right? That when you talk about what worries this fan base, it's the back seven of the defense, which is kind of like where we were a year ago. Yeah, because it's as of right now, it's the same group minus Sean Wade. So uh, the group that wasn't good, and they're now without the best player of a good group that already wasn't that good. Doug, are you surprised that, what was it, 18%? What was it on the linebackers? 18% worried for the linebackers. 18% worried. 
Are you surprised that there isn't maybe more trepidation from this fan base about the linebackers because that was an issue in 2018, right? And I know there's some injuries that affected that, but like the linebackers being able to get exploited was an issue there, but I know the defense has changed too. That might be a factor as well. Honestly, I think some people are so happy that tough Borland's gone that they're just not worried. (laughs) And I don't mean to be, I'm just, this is how, I mean, that's not glib. I think that's, you know, that, that, and I think, you know, we always thought Baron Browning, is he in the right position? Pete Warner, we probably underestimated him for four years. Justin Hilliard, he was hurt. Then he was good at the end. I don't know that we ever had a handle on the linebackers. And so in retrospect, you can say, oh, they're missing the top four linebackers. But I do think if you take a step back, it's like, well, I mean, yeah, Pete Warner was a second round pick, but it's not like they're missing A.J. Hawk, Ryan Chazier, Andy Katzenmoyer and Randy Gratishar there either. I think you're right that people probably are leaning towards the athletic upside of the guys who are coming in behind. And we'll see if that holds or if three, four weeks in, they're thinking, oh, man, like I wish Tuff Borland was there to make that tackle that just got missed or whatever. I also think the interesting thing that's happening here is for the first time, aren't we really talking about linebacker? We're only talking about two spots when we talk about linebackers. And that that third spot is really a secondary spot. And that should I don't those two things are kind of playing off of each other right now. And it makes it hard, even as I'm voting, to like decide what am I voting for there and how do I feel like should I be less concerned about the secondary because they're putting that other athlete on the field? The bullet's the, bullet. the shiny new thing. It's like how we treat five-star freshmen when they get here and all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're going to have 1,000 sacks in their career. And then after they get on the field a little bit, you get bored with them and move on. Because we're finally seeing the bullet and you're seeing multiple different body types, whether it's talking about Court Williams as much as we have or Craig Young maybe being the freak version of it or Ronnie Hickman who flashed in the Michigan State game last year. It's the new thing. And so you have optimism about things when they're new, along with the fact that all the linebackers are finally going to be new as well. Well, but I think the, the additional point, thing there is not just that it's new, it's that it's you're helping the secondary by putting another defensive back on the field. But even if you were worried about the bullet, Aren't you kind of saying, like, I don't know where I would am I supposed to vote linebacker or secondary if I'm worried about the bullet, right? Like, well, yeah, how does yeah, how does the bullet play off of that? Should I be more worried about the linebackers? Because there's now you're letting it, it's relying on two guys because technically that other guy's a defensive back. You're getting into a little bit of semantics there, I suppose. Yeah. To your point, I think the greatest issues with linebacker here have been coaching and scheme. As much as we've said, show me a Ryan Shazier, uh, you know, maybe there hasn't been one for a couple of years. I feel like most of the time when we just discuss linebacker issues here with Bill Davis's coaching ability and Greg Schiano's scheme that seemingly always had the linebackers out of position in 2018. So if those two things are addressed, they're good enough. Taraji Mitchell and Cody Simon and Dallas Ganton. And then if you leave him, want to lump Craig Young and Ronnie Hickman and those guys, whatever, they have enough guys, as long as they're asking them to do the right things. And so... I don't think we have any proof to be worried about that. Again, you know, just some of the stuff that Shiana was asking with filling gaps and then felt like they were getting hit over the middle of the field and they were constantly sort of backpedaling and moving around and out of position. And then the idea that, well, the Baron Browning was he, did he develop the way he should have Did Jerome Baker developed the way he should have Did Dante Booker developed the way he should have, you know, I think we all, I think people believe in Al Washington. So, and it's Ohio State. I mean, what are you talking about, right? And that, that there's enough there. And listen, Taraji Mitchell gets up there. He's, he's been here for – this is his fourth year. He hasn't started. But Taraji Mitchell's not new. He just hasn't played, but he knows what's up. I mean, it's, Taraji Mitchell's going to get out there 
against Minnesota, and he's going to know exactly what's going on. He's not going to be confused about stuff. It's just, and he may get out there and show us like, man, that guy should have played before. Why was he on the bench for three years? So I think they'll be okay. I, I, I just wouldn't go a little worried there because I think they'll be fine. I, will they be great? Is there an All-American there? No, I don't think so, but I think they'll be fine. But I do think there are more legitimate worries in the secondary, and that's where you'll get tested. And that's where, if this season goes as expected, you might find out when you get to the playoff, if they're good enough. And I just don't know if you'll find out before that. We will preview the game on the Wednesday pod. We will take your rapid fire questions and do that on the Thursday morning pod. We will be back with a Friday morning pod that we'll record in our hotel rooms after the game in Minneapolis on Thursday night. No more interviews with Ohio State leading up to this game. All three of us will be there in Minnesota for this. This is a great time. As Nathan's been saying, try the text at 614-350-3315. Drop a review at Apple Podcasts. I always appreciate that input. And read cleveland.com slash Buckeye Talk. Steven, what do you have percolating in the next couple of days that people can, can read on the site? As of you guys are listening to this, there will be a story on Zach Harrison's just kind of this reintroduction that we're getting from him, whether it's his personality, but also him as as a football player. Obviously, they've talked about him all offseason about, you know, he seems like a guy who's ready to take that jump as this five star former top 10 player in the country and be that next elite defensive end in that long line that Larry Johnson started to create here. And it's, it showed up in one, his personality, it showed up in his leadership style and it's starting to show up in his play. And we'll see if it all comes together when they get on the field on Thursday. So look out for that. Nathan, what's popping with you? I have spent the last uh, couple of interview sessions we've had trying to get some more specific examples of how C.J. Stroud kind of captured the confidence of this team, whether that's athletically, whether that's from a leadership standpoint. And I'm kind of compiling that into why he is the starting quarterback that they'll have on Thursday night. And I got some ideas. We'll see if they get down on computer screen or not. Who knows? Look, I talk. Look, I talk. <laughs> The Browns have cuts coming up, so that's going to take up time, too. Uh, All right. Thanks to you guys for being along for the ride. It's go time. Let's do it. Stick with us on Buckeye Talk. Stick with us on the text or try us if you never have. As always, we couldn't do it without you. For Nathan Baird and Stephen Means, I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk. Buckeye Talk.